All right, praise the Lord. We're going to get started. So nice to see everybody. Happy New Year. I'm surprised to see everybody here. Nerve-wracking, actually. Um, I was supposed to actually speak last week, but uh, Pastor Kevin and Cherry got the weeks missed up, so that's why I got bumped to the first Sunday of the year. And as, as everybody's rolling in, I'm like, woo! <laughs> you know, it was a little shocking. But uh, I love you guys. You know, this is my home church. I know all of you. Um, you know, if you've been, a, if you were here, new these past five years, I'm the one that called you and greeted you and everything. So I love you guys. Um, it's funny for me to be here because um, this isn't my first time doing this. I have done this before. I've never done it on a Sunday service. I've never done it here, but it's been some years. I was in a ministry. Um, seven years ago. And when you think you're following the Lord and you're doing what the Lord has called you to do, you expect things to go right. And when things don't go right and things go very wrong and you end up getting crushed, you think you don't know the Lord. And I told the Lord, I will never put myself in this position again. I will never go, you know, I don't want to be out front anymore. I'm done. And the Lord has systematically step by step pulled me back into this position to be here. Um, but that's, um, but that's just the way it is with the Lord. So today I wanted to talk to you about restoration back in November, by the way, I have so much scripture as we go through this message, you're going to swear I'm done and I'm not, there's more scripture. I just have so much scripture. It doesn't make sense. But, um, Restoration is what God does. He dropped that in my spirit in about November. He just, you know, like a download just comes out of nowhere. And he just said, restoration is what I do. And I was thinking in the Old Testament, I was thinking about the temple and how the temple was destroyed. And then they came back and it was this struggle to put this temple back together. But he's always rebuilding, you know, he's always rebuilding. And he's always coming back. And as we turn back to the Lord, he rebuilds us. And even the world, it's all fallen. It's full of sin. And it's been thrown into chaos. And we're waiting for the restoration of all things. And he said, that's just what I do. And I was like, okay. And then Pastor Kevin and Sherry told me they'd be out of town. I said, you know what? I'm going to speak on restoration. And then after that, Sherry had called me on the phone. And she said, you know, the Lord said to her, Shelly's lost all hope. Tell her I'm going to restore her. And when she said it, it came in one ear, nothing registered, nothing stuck, went right out the other ear. Thank you, Pastor Sherry. God bless you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Yes. Just, I just let it go right from one ear out the other ear. You know why? Because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get my hopes up again. I don't want to plan for something. I don't want to expect something and it not happen. I didn't want to hear it. Came in one ear, didn't catch, right out the other ear. So then I was thinking, I'm like, I know I want to speak about restoration. And the Lord said, I want you to tell the people what I told you. That I'm going to restore you. And I'm like, that means I actually have to believe the message. And the Lord's like, yeah. You got to believe it because you can't teach it unless you believe it. So today I just want to talk to you about when you serve God and when you give God all you have, but you get discouraged and you lose your hope and you go numb inside. 
to where you can hear the word of God and somebody can speak to you and say something good to you. And it just comes in one ear and goes right out the other. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Half of that verse sounds like the devil. And half of that verse sounds like the Lord. Because when you have to wait a long time for something and it doesn't come. Or your circumstance just tells you there's no way it's going to happen. Your heart gets sick. And it makes you just want to throw in the towel. And you decide to make lemonade out of those lemons that life has given you. And you just accept it. And your heart goes sick. But when it comes, it becomes a tree of life. And that's the Lord. Dependable. You can count on him. That's the Lord. So my message to you is God is going to restore you. And I know that the beginning, it's, you know, one ear to the other for some of you. But by the end, I'm hoping that maybe it'll register and catch. Okay? But the Lord is going to restore you. Because that's what he does. When hasn't he done it? It's all through scripture. That's what he does. Okay, it's all about belief. If you believe correctly, everything shifts. 2020, Pastor Kevin says our message is we're going to rise to the level of our birth. But the problem is if you believe your birth is here, you're not rising. Okay? You have to believe that this is where you belong. That devil is here. <laughs> no, that's okay. I got all this. Okay, thank you. But um, you have to believe that's where you belong. If you don't believe it, you're not going to go for it. You can say it, but you actually have to believe it. Okay, so I had a whole message planned for this. I had looked up the definition of restoration in, in Hebrew and in the Greek, and I was going to give it to you, and I had all these scriptures, but I just couldn't get it to come together. So I did something crazy, something that Pastor Kevin tells us to do all the time. I asked the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit flipped my message upside down, gave me totally different scripture. Nothing that I wanted to say is in this message. This is all from the Lord. I just asked him questions, and this is what he said to me. So the first question I had for the Lord is, what is restoration? I had already looked it up at this point, so I figured the Lord was just going to pat me on the back and tell me what the definition was. But the Lord said, I restore internally, like I, he restores my soul in Psalms 23. I restore from within so they can see the light and they can see the way through. They can see the road of deliverance. He, sent, he, taught, he told me where he restores instead of a definition. Because you need to understand the ways of the Lord can't be known by man. You just know his patterns. You look at the scripture, you get his patterns. And so he's like, this is where it begins. So I pulled up scripture, Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They're not talking about people in a cave and they're not talking about lightning here. It's about being lost, not knowing the way, not knowing how to live. And the light was shining. Genesis 1-4. And God saw the light. Uh, that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. It's the first thing he did. And he's not talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars here. And what I like is that he divided it. Darkness can't come into light. Light can't come into darkness. And you have to be able to discern that light, that right way. John eleven nine 9 through 10. John answered, 
Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This is John talking about going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He had just, they just tried to kill him in the town previously. So when he says, we're going to go back to this town because we're going to raise Lazarus from the dead. The disciples were like, they just tried to kill you there. We can't go back there. And if we go back there, we're going to die too. And when Jesus says, but if you walk in the day, you know what you're doing. He's not talking about daylight or nighttime. He's saying, God has told me to go raise Lazarus. So it's going to be okay because we're walking in the light. Everybody follow me? Matthew 6, 23. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Therefore, the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? You have to know the way of life. Jesus is our light. He shows us which way to go. But if you think the way to success and the way to life is the way of the world, if you think your light is darkness... You're full of darkness. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can say, this is the way the Lord says to go, but I don't want to go that way. You at least know what the light is, even if you're not following it. But if you don't know where the light is and you think the way of the world, the way that you think it should go, you know, lying, cheating, stealing, you know, those type of things, you're you're full of darkness. You can't even find your way. Everybody's understanding that scripture. Okay. So restoration starts with God giving you the light. He restores you from within. He gives you a light so you can see forward. You know, like in the movies when the cave comes in and they're all in and everybody's scared. And then there's that ray of light. They're like, that's the way out. That's the way out. That's what it is. The darkness comes, but there's that ray of light. So then I asked the Lord, I said, what does the light do? And he said, it prepares the road that their salvation, that their deliverance, that their destiny comes through. And this is Mark 1, 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, this is John the Baptist in the voice of Elijah talking about make paths straight for the Lord. But Jesus didn't need anybody to make a man-made road for him. So this road had nothing to do with an actual road. It was about repentance. And if we repent, we have to first admit that we're sinners. And that was what prepared the road for the Lord. So as the Lord restores you and brings light into you, and he brings that light to your life in that path, it is the path of your destiny. It is the path of your success as you align with the light he gives you. Okay, we're good? Okay, next question I gave the Lord is, why do you do this? He said, I want my children to rise. They will rise when they see correctly. John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. This is the Lord's will for you, that you would have life. I mean, that's what we all want, right? 
It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what race you are. We all want life. We want freedom. We want success for our children. We all want the same exact thing. And he said, I came not so you would be miserable, not that you would be sad, that you would be poor, that you would be lost, that you would be all alone. I came to give you life and life more abundantly. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. He came to give you power, power to speak over your own life, power to speak into other people's life, divine power to go right into the throne room and let the father know, Hey, I need you right now. He came to give you power, life and power. Second Peter one, three and four and his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He came and gave us everything we need for life and for godliness that we could partake in the divine nature. This is what he wants us to rise to life, life more abundantly, power, divine nature. Isaiah 43, I mean 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like evil eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's what the Lord wants. That's what we're supposed to be as children of God. We're to rise. We're to rise. That's what we're called to do. Rise to the level of our birth. That's what it's all about. That's what he died to give you, to rise. So I asked him about, you know, what scripture he wanted me to use. And he brought me to this obscure scripture that I'm sure none of you have heard of about Mary and Martha. Um, Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, many of you know, like at the church, um, I am the overseer of the executive team. That means that I make sure everybody has what they need to get everything done. I make sure that the bagels are here. I don't pick them up, but I make sure they're here. We have cream cheese. We have to have cream cheese. Can you imagine if we didn't have cream cheese? The toilets get cleaned. They got to be clean. It's got to be vacuumed in here. It's got to be clean. It's got to smell nice. It's got to look nice. Service, 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 service. You know, there's a whole bunch of little things that go into having service here. Little things that, you know, people don't think about. And, you know, if there's ever a Martha, I am Martha. I'll tell you, I am Martha. Okay. So, but if you look at this story, she invited Jesus into her house. Okay, and think about your own life. You have to invite Jesus into your house. She's serving Jesus. She's serving God. Okay, she's serving God with everything that she has. Okay, 
She's serving God and she's getting tired. She's going and she's going. She's serving and she's getting tired and she feels alone. Why isn't anybody else helping? She has a sister. Okay. She has a sister that's not helping her and she's getting frustrated because she's tired because she's serving God because that's what she wanted. She invited God into her home. Tradition says she got to serve him. It's got to be nice. It's got to be clean. She's doing all this service for the Lord and she's tired and she's alone and I'm serving God. So does she jack her sister up? No, she goes to God because she's serving God. And she goes, don't you care? I'm tired. I'm alone. Don't you care? You, You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? This makes, you read the story, but it doesn't really click. She invited him into her house. She's serving him. She's alone. She's tired. She wants a solution. Don't you care? Can't you see my pain? Can't you see my pain? Can't you see my stress? Don't you care? And he says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and you are troubled about many things. See, it's all the things. It's the tradition. She felt she had to serve him. She felt she had to do all these things. She's worried about the circumstances in her life and the time, all the practical, natural things. She's worried about all these things. She's worried and she's troubled. But only one thing is needed. There's only one thing needed, not 500 things. There's only one thing needed. And Mary was not forced into that one thing. Mary chose it. You see the difference? She chose it. See, Martha was caught up with the time and the circumstance of everything. And that's what happens. You start serving God. You give God all that you have. And time goes on and circumstance happens. And you can get troubled and you can get caught up. And you miss the one thing. But you got to remember what the one thing is. What that important thing is. And you have to choose it. You have to choose it. And it's funny because God does not take us out of this world. John 17, 17, Jesus was praying about, you know, his disciples and he never prayed for them to come out of this world. I don't pray that you take them out of the trouble that they're in. I don't pray that you take them out of the circumstance. I don't pray that you take them out of the loneliness. I don't pray that you take them out of their job. I don't pray for you to take them out of this world. It's not, he's not a genie that makes it all disappear. He gives you a light to see the way through that brings you to your destiny, that restores your soul. He said he wanted them protected from the evil one. That's what he prayed for. Okay, so um, I asked the Lord after that, after that scripture, I said, Lord, that's pretty thorough. Did I miss anything? What did I miss? He said, you missed love. And so it's a typo. It's not John 3, 1. It's John three sixteen. another scripture you probably have never heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. First John four nineteen. we love him because he first loved us. And of course, you've heard that scripture a million times, John three sixteen. I mean, everybody has heard John three sixteen. But the way God expressed it to me, he says, I didn't want anything... To stop me blessing my children. I didn't want anything to be in the way. 
He said, I love them all individually, not collectively, but individually. He's eternal, he's infinite, and he saw your life individually from beginning to end. He saw what you struggled with before you got saved. He sees what you're struggling with right now, and he sees the doozy of the sin you're going to do tomorrow. And he paid for it all because he didn't want anything to be in the way or hinder you from having the blessing, to having life, life more abundantly, for having the power, for having the godliness, for having everything he provided. He said, I did everything in my power to take everything out of the way. I paid it, and I paid it first. I didn't wait for anybody to change. I didn't wait for anybody to repent. I paid it first. I cleared the road so there would be nothing in the way because I love them. Okay, so... In knowing all of that, we must believe. We must believe. And that's the whole key. Believing is the key. It shifts the soul and the course of your life. It is the rudder that steers the ship. It is the foundation and the catalyst of your change. Romans 10.9 says that if you could confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Matthew 18.3 says, well, part of the, the second half, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as, a, as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. So I always say, uh, especially in my cell group, if you have a gun and there's no ammunition in the gun, you can shoot it all day and, and nothing's happening. You got to load that gun with ammunition. So you can confess with your mouth, but that's not a loaded gun. It's when you believe in your heart, that gun is loaded. See, my husband, he does a lot of cooking at the house. And if I come home and I don't smell anything cooking, I'm like, I'm dying here. I'm dying. He's like, you're not dying, Shell. I'm like, I'm dying. I need some food. But the truth is, I don't really believe I'm dying. You see what I'm saying? I'm saying it, but I'm not actually believing it. But sometimes you feel that head cold start and you go, I'm getting sick. You know, you believe it and you're speaking it over yourself. It's like, don't say it. Don't say it because you believe it. It's when you actually believe stuff and you confess stuff that you're shooting a loaded weapon. You understand? It's the belief. It's all about belief. You know, Abraham was counted righteous because he believed. When Abraham believed circumcision wasn't there. The law of Moses wasn't there. Abraham was married to his half sister, which he pimped out to Pharaoh. Okay. But Mo, um, sorry, not Moses. Um, Abraham was considered righteous because God said to him, I'm going to bless you go West. And he believed him. It says when he believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. You have to actually believe God. I mean, believe, know, knowing your knower. I can count on God. You know, I have a Hebrew Bible and the word faith is always translated trust. Trust, because that's what it is. It's trust. Do you really trust him? Can you count on him? Um, Anybody that has children knows that children will believe what their parents tell them, right? If my husband were to come home when my kids were little and say, we're going to Disney World. 
my kids would be like, Disney World, Disney World. They would be dancing. They'd be cheering. They'd get on the phone. I'm going to Disney World. They tell all their friends, I'm going to Disney World. They go to church. We're going to Disney World. They get excited. But me as a mom, I'm going to be like, who's paying for Disney World? How are we getting to Disney World? Do you know how much the tickets are at Disney World? Do we have a hotel for Disney World? Did you ask off for Disney World? Why did you tell the children we're going to Disney World? You know why? Because I'm an adult. Because I understand the logistics of going to Disney World. But a child doesn't. A child says, my dad said we're going to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. And they get excited. And that's what the scripture says. Except you, and surely I, I'm, I'm in the wrong scripture here. Um, I'm sorry. Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. You have to believe. You have to believe even when it doesn't look like it. Even when time and circumstance have gone by. You got to believe. You got to believe like a kid. And be like, Disney World, you got to be like, Disney World, believe, you know, in the Lord. Um, Let me move on here. So I asked the Lord, what does believing shift in us? And it gives us focus in Jesus, purpose in life, and sustenance that restores and rejuvenates. When you come into that light and the Lord has shown you the way, um... All you want is Jesus. Because when you believe that you're going to be restored and he he gives you you back, you want to just serve Jesus. In John 4, 32 through 34, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus had a sustenance. He had uh, a rejuvenation in his life by just doing the will of God. By knowing his place. See, that light comes into your life and you know what you are. You know what God has called you to do. And that's what you need to be doing. Because when you do what God has called you to do, it brings you life. It brings you rejuvenation. Jesus said, I didn't do my will. I did the will of him who sent me. That's life. Life comes when you step into the position that you were born to be in. I believe like when I was in a child... I had a hope in myself. I knew who I was and I didn't care. You know, my hair was everywhere, grass stains all over my clothes from playing football at recess and my brand new clothes. My mother would lose her mind. You know, I just bought you those clothes and I would just do whatever. I'd wear whatever. I was crazy. I was wild. I just, that's who I was. But you get older and you learn to dress a little better and you keep the grass stains out of your clothes. But there's something in you that you know is just you. There's a life force. There's a, there's a special fire that's you and what you do and what you want to do and how you want to express yourself. It's you. God gave that to you. And life has tried to crush it out of you. The devil tries to crush it out of you because when you are you for the Lord, 
What can you do for the Lord? That's your purpose. That's, that's, that's what God has called you to be. And he sets you free in it. And the devil all the time is trying to stop you from being what you were born to be. But you have to find that light. You have to align with that light. You need that restoration in your life to bring out what you were born to do, which will rejuvenate you. That will give you sustenance and help you to survive through every day. Amen. All right. So um, I came to uh, Psalms 23. You know, the Lord Jesus, like he said, he didn't do his will. He did his father's will. And, you know, the first verse, the first verse of Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And to one is to lack, to not have enough. But the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is not your bellhop following you saying, what do you want to do? I'm here to bless you. You just tell me what you want and I'm going to do it. Ding, 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 ding. The Lord is not following you. You're following the Lord. And I think we get that switched, especially here in the United States, because it's all about what do you want to do when you grow up? And what do you want to do? And what do you want to do? And what do you want to do? The question is, what do you feel the Lord has called you to do? What were you equipped to do? What were you born to do? We follow the Lord. The Lord doesn't follow us. And that's so important. And as we follow the Lord, as we align with that light, that's where the blessings are. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's where all the blessing is, is when you're following the Lord. Uh, Okay, so he makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the still waters. He restores our soul. Your sustenance, the way you make your living, you're supposed to be in a green place. When you're fed by the Lord, when you're in his presence, it's the still waters. It's not like you're at a waterfall. And it's like, and you just, you can't get there. It's just too much. God brings you behind the still waters to let you drink of his presence, to drink of his power, of his Holy Spirit. It's, it's still waters. It's the green pastures. He restores your soul. He gives you back you. And he lets you live and be you in him like you were always meant to be. He restores you. I'm telling you, he's going to restore you. He is going to restore you. That's what his whole plan is. He's going to restore you. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of his righteousness for his name's sake. He gets no glory in your failure. He gets no glory in your misery. He gets no glory in your loneliness. He gets no glory in your failure. He gets glory. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He wants you to do good. Makes him look good. Christians are supposed to to be good. You know, we're supposed to do well. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no either for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. It's funny when I, when I hear this verse, I've always thought of literally two mountains in between the mountain is this dark valley. And there's just a whole bunch of people like walking through this dark valley and they look up on the sign and it says valley of the shadow of death. We're in the valley of the shadow of death. But that's not the valley of the shadow of death. What the valley of the shadow of death is your life getting darker and darker and darker and compressing on you to the point where you don't think you're going to make it. That's the valley of the shadow of death. 
It's when your life gets darker and harder. It's like with Job. Job lost everything all at one time. Just boom, boom, boom. Lost everything. But with us, it's a little different. It's like the devil takes a little bit here. Boom. Then he takes a little bit there. Boom. And you just kind of lose. It's like, well, you know. And a little bit there. And you don't get that raise. And the promotion doesn't come through. And the relationship doesn't work. And the marriage is going crazy. And the kids are going crazy. And this isn't going. Now my health is acting up. I'm getting gray hair. It's just going little by little. And he's taking and he's taking and he's taking. And as you're serving the Lord, it's like he's taking. And it's the valley of the shadow of death. And you feel like you're not going to make it. And sometimes you just really don't feel like you're going to make it. It's like, this is it. This is it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm folding here. But his rod and his staff, they comfort me because he gives you the light. There's a light. He restores you with you. He gives you the road that you step into. And you think as long as I follow that light, I'm coming through. I'm coming through. I'm coming through because I step into the light and I'm going to make it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Think of a table. I mean, what's better than food? The whole reason we're in this mess is because of that fruit. Back with Adam and Eve, you know? And even, you know, Jacob and Esau, that was over a bowl of beans, you know? Food, food's been messing us up for a long time, but it's just beautiful. It's nothing like coming together and having a spread. It's a beautiful thing. To have a big table, it's set up nice, everything you want to eat is on that table. It's like, good times, come on. And that's what he does. He puts it before you. He puts a beautiful spread before you. He wants to lead you into this beautiful thing of filling, of happiness, of joy deep in your soul. That's what God has for you. He puts a table before you. He anoints your head with oil, your cup Runneth over. That's what God is all about. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It follows you. Everywhere you go, it just follows you. You just can't get away from it. Goodness and mercy. Every time you turn around, there it is. It's just goodness and mercy. There it is again. Everywhere you go, that's what your life is meant to have. Just goodness and mercy following you. These are the promises of God. He is going to restore you. That's what he does. He restores. This is what he died for. To give you, to bring back to you what you were meant to have. And blessing. All right. So. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's life now and eternal. It's life now. It's not just pie in the sky by and by. But it's steak on the plate while you wait. Amen. (laughs) No, I got that from Andrew Walmack. I can't handle that. I got that off of Andrew Walmack. But I like that. Okay, so I want you to remember uh, these verses. Mark 10, 29 through 30. And I went through this really fast. I practiced this at home, and it took me like an hour. And I'm like going through this really fast. I'm almost done. You see that? And you're going to have your rest of your Sunday. All right. Mark 10, 29 through 30. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who left houses or brothers, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, 
who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Everything that you lost, everything that you lost, you get it back. Everything that the devil has chipped away is coming back. He's going to restore you. It's right there in the scripture. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and he will not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make good? He never lies. Show me one lie. Never lies. If he says you're going to get it, you're going to get it. You're going to be restored. You're going to be restored. Everything you lost, you're going to be restored. He doesn't lie. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You've been serving God for a long time, Martha. You've been serving a long time, and he's seen everything you've done. It's in a book, and it's got dividends. It's coming back to you. He promised you that. What you sow, you will reap. He's paid for all your sin. What you've done, you're going to reap. He's going to restore you. He is. You can accept it. You can believe it. You can get Disney World happy about it. He's going to restore you. So this is it. What I want you to do is say in your heart, it is enough. So don't read the scripture. All eyes on me. So there's a guy named Jacob, which you know the story. And Jacob um, tricked his brother, took his birthright over a bowl of beans, and then he lied and he stole the birthright, which means that when the will of dad was going to be given out, he was getting the double portion instead of the oldest brother. He, so he stole the birthright. So he ran away, lived with his uncle, and he fell in love with a beautiful woman named Rachel. And all he wanted was Rachel. That's all he ever wanted was Rachel. He wanted to marry Rachel and have a family with Rachel because that's all he wanted. So he gets married and it's Leah. And he's like, no offense to Leah, but I didn't want Leah. I've never wanted Leah. I wanted Rachel. So he had to work even longer and he got Rachel, but Rachel didn't have kids. So now he has the maids. So he's sleeping with four women. Only three of them are producing children. But the one that he wanted was Rachel. And she wasn't having kids. He never wanted four women. He never wanted the children of the other three women because he never wanted the three women. He wanted Rachel. So when Rachel finally had her son, Joseph, it was as if. That was his firstborn son because he never wanted four women. He wanted one. And he finally got Joseph. And he treated him better than his, uh, than his brothers. Was that right? I don't believe so. But he did it anyway. Gave him that coat of many colors. Treated him better. And, and, and he was anointed. He had all these dreams. So he's just like, this is the one. I told you this was the one. You know, he was with Rachel. But one day, 
his sons brought him the coat of many colors in shreds and full of blood. And he decided, nobody said it to him, he decided, my son is dead. You know why? Because the circumstances said that he was dead. And time, he never came home, said he was dead. And he decided his son was dead. His hope was dead. His dreams were dead. And he mourned for the rest of his life, believing that his dream was dead. Do you see? But when Joseph, you know, you know the story, his brothers sold him into Egypt. He revealed himself to his brothers. The first thing he said, check the script. He says, is it true? My father is still alive. That's what he said. Is it true? My father is still alive because the dream that Jacob wanted, wanted him just as bad. And you got to realize that the dreams that you have and the hope and the destiny that you have in your heart, God wants it just for you, just as bad. That dream was still alive. And he says, is is it true? My father is still alive. So here comes the scripture. They come back to Jacob, Genesis 45, 25 through 28. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him saying, Joseph is still alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. See, in one ear, right out the other. Because he didn't want to believe. He didn't want to believe. He was hard. His his heart stood still. He didn't want to believe. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Remember Proverbs? Remember Proverbs? <laughs> Excuse me. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it, ha- when it comes, it's a tree of life. And he revived when he believed. See, Joseph couldn't come out of Egypt. He was the governor of Egypt. He couldn't just leave. So all he could do was send a word. All he could do was send hope. All he could do was give a word out to his father saying, come, I'm alive. And Jacob had to believe. And notice the name change in verse 28. Then Israel said... Not Jacob. The whole time it was Jacob, 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 Jacob. But the name changed. Same person. Because now he's the son of God. Because now he's walking by faith. Because now he's believing. He's believing. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. And that's what I'm hoping for you today. That you'll just say, it is enough. I'm going to believe. God is going to restore you. God is going to restore you. And it's okay to get excited. It's okay to let that relief come. Because when you, especially, you know, 2019 wasn't fun for a lot of us. And it's like, you want to believe it's going to get better, but you want to also kind of stay tough and stay strong just in case it doesn't, you know? But he is going to restore you. 
And it's okay to kind of go, oh, thank God. You know, it's okay to let it go and say, I'm going to be restored to count on it like money in the bank. If I wrote you a check for $10 million and who couldn't use an extra $10 million? If I wrote you a check for $10 million, but your bank said, this check is good, but it's going to take three days to clear. For three days, you wouldn't have a worry in the world. You'd be like, life is good. You know why? Because you know that check's going to clear. They said it was good. It's just going to take three days. Matter of fact, you probably would spend it all before you even accessed it. You'd be like, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to get a car and I'm going on vacation. I'm going to get this. And you, you would, you know. You'd plan it out because you're expecting that check to clear. You're expecting your bank account to get big and fat and, you know, an extra 10 million. I'll take it. You know, God's going to restore you. Everything the devil took, it wasn't his to take. And he's going to restore you. The promises of God are real. He never lies. He's going to. To restore you. It's okay to let your hair down. It's okay to take that breath. God is going to restore you. Amen? Amen. All right. So that's all I have for you. Short and sweet. So I'm just going to bless you now, but I'm going to actually ask you to bless your, your, yourself. So if you can close your eyes and just put out your hands and just repeat after me and say, the Lord is blessing me. The Lord is keeping me. The Lord is making his face shine upon me. The Lord is gracious to me. The Lord lifts his countenance upon me. And the Lord gives me peace. God bless you. We have prayer people available after service to the right. Have a good week. Amen.